God is good. He has a plan and a purpose for you. I want you to say that out loud. God has a plan and a purpose for me. For each and every individual, God has a plan and a purpose. He has a grand plan. He has a plan over the earth. He's got a plan that bypasses time, but he's got a plan for you specifically. You were not an accident. Doesn't matter, as Tony likes to say, (laughs) he wasn't planned. What God had a plan. Come on, God had a plan for you. He was not surprised the day you were born. Where did this person come from? But God had a plan for you. And your plan does not expire either. Everybody say, my plan does not expire. It doesn't, it's not too late ever. God is so filled with abundant mercy. His word, the more I read his word, the more my flesh is shocked. And then I'm also thankful, but I'm shocked at his grace and his mercy. Who has been shocked by God's grace and mercy? And the more you experience it, the more you're thankful for it. And the more you realize you need more of it. Who has realized you need even more? (laughs) God starts shining on little tiny specks within your heart, doesn't he? And and you don't um, fight with God either in those times. You just want to give it to him because you're so thankful. When God's grace truly has done a work inside you, there is no fight. There's no more warring with God. You just want to give it to him. He'll ask you for it and you say, yes, Lord. And I just want to uh, get right into his word today. I want to continue right where I left off. I um, felt very strongly from the Holy Spirit to go right back to where we were last week. And I sought him in many different directions. And I'm going to just be obedient. Um, if it wasn't, I say to Dawn sometimes, if it wasn't for our podcast, for our recordings, I could go back and preach some of the old sermons and <laughs> as if they were brand new. Um, that's not in any lazy way, but I'm like, yeah, that's what the Lord wants to say. But I'm always, now that the recordings are out there, I want to grab it fresh. I want to grab it for this day. So uh, maybe that's a good thing so that we have to really, really seek him. But I just want to just continue right along with what I was saying last week. And, and this is, I said some things about the new year and you can go and listen to those things. But I want to say this from the Lord, that the Lord really wants to bless his people. God really wants to bless his people. And I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, though, I must give a disclosure because we're humans and humans interpret everything differently, right? The way I see things is different than the way that you see things. We all see things differently. In fact, the Bible even says that every man is right in his own eyes. So when I say God wants to bless you, do not get a picture of uh, American blessing or, you know, some sort of uh, South American blessing or (laughs) some sort of uh, Asian blessing. You know, each country, right? If you were in a Chinese prison, your blessing would be, I ate today. The Lord has blessed me today. I'm in prison and the Lord has blessed me because he gave me food, right? So God's blessing is not an amount. It is not a size. It is not things. His blessing, really, to be brutally honest about it, to just destroy um, our um, pictures in our own human imagination of what his blessing is, is his presence, It's really his presence, God's presence. He comes with blessing. God doesn't come to curse, right? And I started to say this last week. God only judges for our good. 
He judges us so that we turn. God doesn't come with the intention to curse, ever. The only time that someone is cursed is they refuse to turn to the Lord. The Lord's mercy goes so far, and His blood on the cross through Jesus, right, proves that to us that it just goes on and on and on and on. And if you find the end of that, you have run far. And I can promise you that no one in this church has run that far. The word just, I, I see no end to it. I know there's eventually an end to it, but I can't find it in his word. It doesn't matter what, <laughs> what some of these characters have done. They were able, and many of them did, many of them didn't, to turn back to him. So he wants to bless you. And God's blessing is he wants to supply your needs. He wants to protect you from your enemies, and he wants, most importantly, to give you his presence. And I truly believe that that's what he wants to do. That is God's nature, and he wants to do that. I want you to say that out loud, and don't be afraid to say this. God wants to bless me. God's word is filled with blessing. God's nature is filled with blessing. Now, um, we will share in God's glory for eternity. Do we know that as his church? We are going to live in eternity with Christ, sharing in his glory. But the Bible also says in many verses, if we're going to share in his glory, then we must also share in what? Share in his suffering. Thank you for those couple of people that chimed in. I did not, I know we didn't want to say it, but the point is on this earth, just as Jesus did. Jesus will be in glory forever and ever and ever, but there was a season of suffering. And God said, it says in the word that it pleased God. Now, don't get mad at God and don't get mad at his messenger either, just to bring that word, but it says it pleased God. And why? Did it please, did, was God pleased to watch Jesus suffer? No, he was pleased at the purpose the suffering. He was pleased with what it was bringing. He was pleased with the suffering because it was producing something. Just as the Bible calls us gold being refined in the fire and clay in the potter's hands, the molding and the shaping and even that we are precious gemstones, you know, everything precious. Gold and silver is refined in fire, and it's put through a brutal process. If gold could speak, it would say, please stop. Diamonds are made under excruciating pressure and time. We know how to make fake diamonds. We can speed up the process and their lower value. Nobody values them though, huh? The value is not there. Okay, so we made something that looks like the real thing, but the real value is in that this thing was in the earth for hundreds or thousands of years to get to be this little tiny pointless rock for thousands of dollars. But anyway, all you women out there, maybe men too, are excited by those rocks. And the point is that they have value because they went through a process to get there. God's pleased with the process, not because of the process, but because of the result. 
God is trying to bring a result out for you. He's trying to bring a result out in this church. God's trying to bring a result in this nation and even in the grand scheme of all time. The, grand, the ultimate result is what? What we hold on, it's our hope that all of this will be wiped away. Jesus said that one day there will be no more tears and no more suffering. Amen. The grand hope, the ultimate hope the, when it's all said and done is that we will live and reign with Christ, a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. But in the process, in the meantime, God is at work. He is doing something. But I just want you to hold on to this. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able. Everybody say God is able. He's able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, or you may know it as exceedingly, abundantly above, infinitely beyond you, more than we might ask or think. God wants to do even greater than what you ask Him for. God wants to do even greater than what you're thinking. God wants to do bigger and greater. God did something bigger and greater through Jesus. The word is clear that if the powers that be, that is the physical powers, the kings on the earth at the time, and beyond that, Satan himself, if they knew what was happening on the cross, that they would have tried to stop it. But they thought that they were defeating Jesus. They thought they had won by putting him on the cross, but there was something bigger. There was something more. Everybody say, beyond the suffering is resurrection. There was something on the other side that was bigger and greater. This is God's purpose. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above, infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I want you to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where we were last week. And I want to read this final culmination of the story of Jehoshaphat. It says in verse 25 that King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. Everybody say the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. See, more. God does more. More than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the valley of, the Hebrew word here is barakah of some sort, and it's the valley of blessing. And it says it got its name because they praised and thanked the Lord there, and it's still called the valley of blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. Amen. And I really wanted to come back to this part here. Um, I had a lot to say last week, and I never know um, if I'm going to get a chance to tell you the rest, so I try to squeeze in the whole story. Sometimes I wish I could do six parts and know that I'm going to be able to talk to each person for all six parts. So sometimes I tell you a lot really fast, but I'm coming back to here because this is where the Lord wants to take us. The Lord wants to take us into this valley, into the valley of blessing. But I want to say something very clearly. 
Jehoshaphat was not looking for the valley of blessing. Jehoshaphat did not go seeking God for blessing. And let's look at, we're going to look at his story. You know what he sought God for? His protection for God. Just, God, we need you. Everybody say, God, we need you. See, when God shows up in your life, you just go seek God, and God shows up <laughs> bigger and greater and beyond. That's what he does. Again, don't put a gauge on that. I don't want us to look and say, well, this part of the world's not blessed. That part is. This church is. That church is not. That family is. This family's not. The blessing is God's presence. The blessing is himself. Honestly, the blessing, I'm more impressed by God, and who can agree with me, when God does things in favor in your life? Who's had God do something, put favor around your life and through your life? There's no monetary amount to that. But favor goes a lot. It's actually the currency. I call it the currency of heaven. Favor. It cannot even be monetary. There's no monetary amount to it, but it goes so far beyond what you could buy. You can't buy it. It's something so much bigger and greater. And who's experienced it? Let's just thank the Lord. I mean, I'm so thankful when he does something in favor. It's so much greater. And honestly, there's usually a miracle attached to it that surrounds other people around you as well. Other people see it and notice it as well. And so he didn't go seeking. They just saw God. And this is really what the story says. I'm just going to breeze through the story, and I want to try to springboard uh, into, into something from this. Uh, God willing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, let's just move right into the story. Just, I'm just going to breeze through, and I cut it apart. You can go read the whole story. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And read about him. You can read uh, in the chapters before and, and leading up to this or listen to last week. But just a chopped up version very quickly is that it says that in verse 2, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, a vast army was marching against them. And Jehoshaphat in verse 3 was terrified, and so would all of us be, by the news. And so he begged the Lord for guidance. So an army was coming against him. Things came against him. Come on, as believers, we need to understand and don't be surprised that things come against you. And I don't want to re-preach it. I'm speaking fast because I want to get this point out and then move on. And that's this, that Jehoshaphat and so were the people. This was a time of godliness. It was a nation that was seeking God at this time. Now, technically, until Josiah, really, they never destroyed fully. If you want to be, you know, really historical about the nation, really until Christ, they really didn't fully, fully seek him. But to the extent that they could at this time, they were seeking the Lord. This was a godly time. It was a time of peace. But sometimes the enemy comes and his purpose is to what? His purpose, it says the Bible tells us to steal, kill, and destroy. But what is that really doing? Is that to hurt you? No, it's to hurt God. He just wants to get people to stop looking at God. That relationship, the only way that we have relationship with him is when our eyes are on him, our faith is in him. Jesus doesn't force us, and I'm thankful and grateful, but also that means that there's a part on me and on you that we must have faith and we must stay close to him. Amen. So they came against him and so, so will the enemy come against you and, it's, and we don't need to be afraid. We get into temporary human fear and then we do what he does. We all are humanly fe uh, fearful. Don't ever be um, 
Don't ever let the enemy, he brings fear on you and then he judges you for being afraid. Don't let him ever do that to you. Let the human emotion of fear come through and then do what we do as believers, which is this. It says, so the people um, from all the towns and uh, in verse 4, they all came together. They began to seek the Lord's help. And in verse 3, tells them to do what? They all got together and they fasted. And in verse 6, began to pray. That's what you do. When the enemy comes, there's one answer. When the enemy comes, there's one answer. When there's something in front of you, that's, and God's got something on the other side. And don't try to, to peer. Don't try to peek. Don't try to find out what God has on the other side. We, you don't need to worry about what God's got on the other side. You just need to know that God's always got his eye on you. His plan for you is always good. It's always good. His ultimate plan of time, it's always to bring people closer to himself and ultimately to restore what was lost through sin. That's it. No matter what you go through, that's his purpose. And so they began to seek God. They began to fast, began to pray. And in verse 12, his prayer, Jehoshaphat says to God, God, won't you stop them? God, you need to do it, basically. And this is what we need to say as well. Verse 12, God, you got to do it because we can't. Everybody say, God, you've got to do it because we are powerless against this mighty army. There was nothing that they could do. And uh, that is honestly a reality that we must realize in every single situation. Honestly, the greatest danger is thinking that we can do it. This is actually the reality of every single situation that comes against you. And um, honestly, the times that you think that you won in your own strength, the devil lets you have a, a, maybe a small victory so that he can get you in a bigger way. And the Lord will let you know, come back to me and start seeking me. In fact, sometimes he even crushes all that stuff you built and so that it must be on him. And that's for, it's not just so he gets the glory, but also for your sake. Amen. And so uh, it says, uh, God, you know, you've got to do it. We're powerless. And, and he also says, we do not know what to do. I remember a situation once and I was praying and then I came to this person once and I was just like, you know, this is what we're praying for, this is what we're believing for. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And he's like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, well, I'm seeking the Lord. And he's like, well, you should know. How do you not know? And I was like, I went away like a little bit burdened and, and going through all the emotions of that. But I have come to the place with no offense towards the person, but that sometimes we don't know. Come on, Christians. Enough of this Christian pride that we think we know all the time. Sometimes we don't know what to do. In fact, if we want to be really honest, we really don't know what we're doing ever. We just think we do. Like I like to see is I like to think of it as the guy flying the planes today. You know, I mentioned this recently. And I'm not taking anything away from the pilots, right? We had one land. I mean, he had to do it on his own without any computers, right in the Hudson River, right? Not too long ago. So I'm not taking anything from the pilots, but today, you know, they're having their coffee, they're having a conversation. You know, the computers are flying all these planes all over the place. And that's kind of like us with God. It's like we got our hands on the wheel. God's like, they think they're, you know, 
going from A to Z, but, you know, I've got this, the Holy Spirit's got all this, and we're all crisscrossing and working it out together. That's really what's happening. But sometimes, you know, we just need to come to the Lord and just be honest and not be afraid. And don't, and don't worry that the enemy hears you pray it either. That's not a lack of faith. Lord, I don't know what to do as long as it's followed up with this. We are looking to you for help. Just tell them, you know what? Sometimes I say out loud on purpose, I'm weak, so that then I can finish it with, but in Christ I'm strong. I'm not afraid that the devil can hear me say it, because then he hears me proclaim that I'm not relying on my own strength. That makes him more afraid than anything of all. I said I was going to be quick. I'm moving. This is because this is getting us somewhere. So it says, and, and we read the story last week, but I just want to set this stage again. So it says, that as the men of Judah stood before the Lord, verse 13, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of them standing there. And in verse 15, he said, listen. Everybody say, listen. He said, listen, this is what the Lord says, verse 15. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this thing that has come against you. Don't be afraid or discouraged by what you don't understand. Don't be afraid or discouraged by what you don't know. Come on. Who can identify with these moments in your life? Who's ever been in a moment like this? And we need to say, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because everybody, let's say this out loud. The battle is not mine. It's God's. That's the truth. That's the word. It's not my battle. The devil wants you to make you think that it's your battle. There is a battle. Everybody say, there is a battle. And it will continue. It was going on the moment that Adam and Eve were planted in the garden. The enemy tried to start, he was starting to seek how to steal that place with us and God. And it's still going on. And it will continue. The book of Revelation is either uncracked or we're partway through it. There's still more to come. Who knows that? There are many things that we're going to see as this battle unfolds, and it is going on presently, but we are not afraid. We're not discouraged because it's not our battle. It's God's. It's God's. So verse 16, he says, tomorrow march out against them. But verse 17, it says, you will not even need to fight. And yet he tells him to do something. It's the Lord's battle. You won't need to fight. And this is a New Testament principle right here in 2 Chronicles. Old Testament, New Testament combined. And I'm going to take you here today. It says, take your position. Everybody say, take your positions. Then stand still. And watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. And he says, do not be afraid again. Don't be discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Everybody say, the Lord is with me. All right? The Lord is with us. In fact, he is still. There are many sins of this nation that the Lord has overlooked, but he's still with us. The Lord has been gracious to us. The Lord has been gracious and we want him to continue to have grace and mercy on this nation. Amen. And so the Lord is with us. But he tells us to do something. 
He says, you will not need to fight, but still take your positions and stand still. And it says quickly, uh, early the next morning, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, verse 20, he says, he gives us how. Everybody say, how do you stand? How do I stand with the Lord? How do I stand for the Lord? What does that mean to stand? How do I trust God? There is a battle, but how do I not fight, but also let God fight, but also not be lazy, right? How do we as Christians let God have the fight, but not just go watch TV? <laughs> we say, oh, the Lord's got it. But how do we not let the enemy sneak in another way? He'll try to sneak in a back door and we say, oh, God's got it. And then we, all of a sudden, you're not even following God anymore. We let him have it. We let him have it, but then we don't do anything. And that's not the Bible. Everybody needs to understand as believers that the Bible is so clear that there is, it's this, it's only defined and you could only receive it. And I started to even say it through prayer, through spirit. The Bible says that the word of God is foolishness to your human mind. The, even the Bible itself is foolish to the human mind. You cannot understand it. You can only receive it in spirit. And that is true with every single principle in his word. How can Jesus' blood do everything for you and yet it requires your faith? Really, two things are 100, it's not 50 and 50. You know, just like Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. That doesn't make sense. Our human mind says that you can't take 100 and 100 and put it into the same amount of space. And yet he was 100% God and 100% man. And the same thing is God is, has 100% done it for you and it requires not 90 because won't, you won't make it 100% of your faith. 100% of Jesus' blood made a way for you, but 100% of your faith to receive it. Is this making any sense? Jesus, and, and so my point is that we must receive it through the, through the Spirit. Jesus is standing in the gap, and yet we must stand with him. Jesus is speaking to your spirit on what needs to be changed and he's not judging you in that process and yet he still requires it of you. Only your spirit can get this. Your mind, don't even worry. I'm just going to speak it out anyway because it needs to be spoken, but your spirit is receiving it. Amen. How do we stand still? There's a battle. But how do we stand and do nothing, but yet not do nothing? <laughs> in the Bible, actually, I love when the Bible, I always, whenever I ask a question, I think too many times as Christians, we try to answer them with intellect. And God gave us wisdom, we try to, but we try to answer things with wisdom, which is fine. But sometimes the word just tells you plain. And I don't need to read between the lines. It literally tells us a couple verses down how to stand still and how to trust God. Verse 20, early the next morning, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And I believe he's referring to the prophecy that we just heard that the Lord's going to do it. It literally comes down to belief. The gospel is such a simple gospel. It's so simple that it's just believing. 
And yet, we've seen it twisted so much, haven't we? We've seen the gospel twisted in so, and, and, and don't even, I'm not even trying to point to one direction or the other because there's so many directions it's been twisted. It truly, though, is as simple as us believing. It truly is as simple as God's love for you and you believing. It's that simple. Believe on the Lord and you will be saved. It's that simple. And yet believing is not simple. It is if you want God. But if you trust in yourself, believing gets complicated. Because we say, I believe God, but... I do believe God, but here's what I don't understand. I believe God, but here's what just doesn't make sense. I believe God, but you don't understand. I believe God, but that was then, this is now. It is as simple as believing, and yet believing will require every ounce of you. Every ounce. That means that no matter what, and I say this often, and I'm still trying to get it. Believe me, I'm standing here, I'm right along with you trying to get this, that I truly believe him in every single situation, that no matter what comes or goes, no matter what it looks like, no matter what religion rises up and looks at, and, and rising in popularity in our world and, and if we, were, if we were to sit down like scientists and use common sense and pick out, well, this one seems to make the most sense and, 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 and this faith is, is growing the fastest. We can't think with our human minds. You can't use human reasoning. We must believe even like, I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they had incredible faith. They said, God's going to deliver us. But they said, but even, everybody say, but even. <laughs> they literally said, God's going to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, it wasn't going to shake their faith. Just means, well, you know what? I wouldn't mind living here on earth for a little bit longer. I like being alive. But if your fire kills my human body, you didn't really win. Maybe God wants my human body in the ground, but he wants my spirit in heaven. I mean, the Bible tells us that God loved Who is it? Dan, help me. Enoch. Wow. Oh, this is fasting, guys. Fasting. I did eat this morning. But I'm in the season of fasting this week. I'm going blank this week. Enoch, it says he loved him so much that God took him. You know, dying and going to heaven is not such a bad thing. We do everything to strive to live here on earth. We, we say, okay, Lord, have my life. But then really our whole lives are about living here on this life. Lord, have my life. But then everything we do is striving here. And I'm not telling you that you can't have anything. I mean, that's not the point. The point is that we just need to be less... We need to be less attached. We just need to believe him, say, Lord, I don't know what's going to come or go. I mean, enemies are going to come and they're going to go. And, and even if they kill my body, right? This is New Testament. That's New Testament scripture. They said, Jesus, it, the scriptures even say, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Be afraid of him who can judge your soul. 
So we have our lives right with God. We're not worried what comes or, or what comes or doesn't come or how it looks, or et cetera. So believing is as simple as it is. And yet the truth is it requires all of you. And in verse 21, it says, they consulted with the people and the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. This is standing with God. There's an army approaching you that you are powerless against. You don't know what to do. They take their positions, they stand their ground and have a church service. It says, verse 22, at the very moment, I love how the NLT translates this because it, it says at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. At the very moment they began to sing and praise, the Lord gave them victory. We need to start singing the Lord's praises instead of singing the blues. Singing the Lord's praises instead of singing the blues. I called Dan. I'm like, I can't, there's something in my, I can hear it. There's a saying. I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing singing the blues, but what is the saying? There's a saying out there. And I just started to just meditate on how we've even taken this phrase and bring it into human language. We took it from God and we say, when I'm singing Dawn's praises, you know, it's a human, like American English term. I'm singing her praises. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for husband to say about his wife. But this is like, this is God's domain. This is God's zone. We only sing one's praise. We can't sing the praises of anyone or anything human. We sing the praises of those that come to help us and the praises of the things that make our lives more convenient or easier, et cetera. And, and really, we need to do is stop looking at all of those things and sing praise to one person. Because at the moment we do that, the Lord goes to work. The moment we say, I mean, there, are, there is history after history after history after history, both before and after him, of the kings that didn't do this. The battle came, and what'd they do? They start calling all the neighboring nations that the Lord told them don't ever be part of. You're, you're separate. You're not supposed to be part of those guys and, and, and calling on the world for their help when you get into trouble. Start calling on me. We must endure. We must go through on the other side, the Lord has victory for us. On the other side, the Lord has blessing for us. But in front of you is opposition. I do believe for your lives personally, the Lord wants to bless you, but I really, really feel strongly, and I know many of you in here and believers around this nation believe that the Lord wants to continue to bless this nation. The Lord brought this nation into a time of peace and blessing, and I, and I trust those that I'm hearing say it, that the Lord wants to continue, but also simultaneously are talking of 
incredible opposition, not just the opposition that you're seeing so far, but opposition. The enemy is, is, is gathering soldiers, so to speak, to fight against us and even against our president and, and many and both spiritually and physically. And we must realize that. We're not going to get into fear. That's why I started fasting. Fasting does multiple things. And I just encourage you, church, if you didn't start last week, that's fine. I'm not judging any of you, and nor is the Lord, but I believe you need to start. We need to start fasting, and you can just start giving up meals or giving up days or whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But I do encourage you to do that. I, the ultimate word of the Lord is that he wants to continue to bless. He wants to bless. But there is a strategy, and there is a stance. Everybody say, there is a stance. If we don't stand... The enemy will mow you right down. You and your human strength are nothing against him. He knows more about you than you will ever know about yourself. Because he's looking at your daddy's daddy's daddy. He's looking at issues that were planted in your DNA hundreds of years ago. Stuff that you don't even know is down in there. He's not God. God is greater. But if you are in your own strength, you will fail every single time. You will never, ever be able to stand up against the devil and his powers on your own and win. If you think you won, he tricked you into some temporary hiatus to take you down bigger later. We must stand with the Lord is the only way. And the way that we stand is by believing in him. When we choose to pray, what are we doing? I'm choosing to believe. Why am I praying? Because I believe that prayer is doing something. I'm choosing to believe that my prayers are greater than my enemy. My prayers are greater than that opposition. My prayers are greater than intense hatred against my president. The Bible says that Elijah was one man, but he was a man just like us. And when he prayed, things in the nation changed. Things were held back and things were released. Your prayers are that great. There can be intense hatred even to take life. And yet your prayers can stop things. And you may never even know on this earth. You may think, well, that fast and that prayer did nothing. I, I, and I said it during worship. I can't wait till heaven when the Lord shows us a movie of all the times the enemy lied to you and said, oh, that was nothing. Those 21 days of fasting or that day of prayer, that, oh, you, you didn't do anything. And yet the Lord's going to show you all of the things that were released and held back and done through your prayer and through your fasting and through seeking God. That's standing. And we must stand. It's a moment to stand. Everybody say, it's a moment to stand. In Second Chronicles 20, he says, verse 17 Take your position and stand. Everybody say, take your position and stand. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, it says, and we desire, in, verse, in the New King James Version, please, it says, we desire that each of you show the same diligence, it says. Diligence. And this is in Hebrews 6, verse 11, it says, the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until, what is that word? The end. 
We must be diligent as believers to the end. The Lord has many things for you. This is why I started with that verse in Ephesians. He's got stuff greater than you could ever ask or think, but we must stay diligent till the end. At the moment that you stop being diligent about your faith and about your prayer time and your fasting, the enemy comes. He has, does, has no need to sleep. He has no need for food. He's got nothing but time on his hand to try to hurt you. But God is so good to us that he has told us that clearly in advance so that we're not surprised, are we? When we're surprised, it means we didn't know his word or we're not listening to his word by the enemy's attack. But he cannot win against you in any way, shape, or form. That includes even if he kills your body, he has not won because he cannot steal what we truly have. What is this hope? What's the assurance of hope we're talking about? Is that something on this earth? Absolutely not. Can you experience it on earth? Absolutely yes. That is your eternity with Jesus Christ. You can live in it right now with him, but ultimately it is something beyond the human body. Amen. And it says in verse 12, it says that you do not. So I want you to stay diligent with full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become. Everybody say that word out loud. Okay, you proved my point. Thank you. You set yourselves up for that one. Wow. I set you up. Don't become sluggish, which means what? When they wrote this in, in Hebrews, 2,000 years ago, people were just like people in this room, including myself. They were just as human as we are, and the possibility to become sluggish is there. If it wasn't possible for a Christian, he's writing this to believers, to become sluggish, he wouldn't have told us. But he said, don't become sluggish. And who knows, it's easy to become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and, that's what we were talking about this, the process. We believe God. We keep believing God. And it takes time. But God is creating diamonds and he's creating gold. He's creating silver. And the Bible tells us that's the only thing that makes it into eternity. Did you know that? The Bible says, don't build on this earth with wood, hay, and stubble. And that analogy, when, when that's spoken in the word, is a picture of you doing things in your own strength, even good things. But he said the only thing that, you know, they say you can't take it with you, you can. That's a lie. They say you can't take it with you as a phrase, you know, don't. They're right in the sense that don't build up this earth. You can't take those things. But there are things on this earth that you can't see in the natural. But there are things that you've done on this earth that you can take with you. And that is the gold. It says, but build with gold, silver, and precious stones. Those layers building his kingdom, they cannot be touched. Those go into eternity with you. And that is through faith and patience. And what does it say that we inherit the promises? 
there is a promise that he has for you. There are many, many, many promises. There are many blessings. There are many victories ahead of you. And you need to know that the Lord wanted to encourage you today that those things are ahead of you. There is blessing ahead of you. There is victory ahead of you, but it will take faith and patience. And we must not be sluggish. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, he says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, or in the power of his might. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able, everybody say able, to stand. Put on all of his armor. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm. Everybody say stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able. Everybody say, be able. Right? So there it is again. So there is an unable, and then there is a able. There is a, you know, you are not able, but then there is, I'm an able, and it's only through God, and it's only through relying on Him. And then you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. In the New King James, and many of you, you know this, from verse 13 to 14, right? We didn't used to have verse numbers. But it says in verse, the end of verse 13, New King James, having done all to stand, verse 14, stand therefore. It says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. The Lord is calling on us right now. There, the enemy, what he does is, and this is so, this is the word, guys. This is the word. They come out of Egypt. They come finally, they come through the wilderness. And that was many costs that were paid through that process. They come into the promised land and they get sluggish. They go back to sleep. They get lax and the enemy takes them down. Not for good, but there was many casualties in that process. The Lord is telling us clearly, and I wanted to say this again. I said this last week. Um, he is actually, I felt so encouraged and felt too encouraged that we've been standing firm, that this church has been, you've been standing, and the Lord's just encouraging us. Sometimes he has to come and get you. <laughs> Sometimes he's got to come and get you and drag you out, but he's encouraging us that we have been standing. Don't stop. The temptation when we've been standing for a long time is what? Jimmy could tell you in the sand pits. He's told me the stories. The sand pits with the black flies. <laughs> when you've been standing there a long time and the Marines would all, then if you move, it's more minutes. Nobody moves. It's a sneak when the guy's not, when, the, when the, he's not looking, the, the buddies, they flick the, the flies off their ears. When you've been standing a long time, 
here. This is what we all do, right? Who does this when you're having a conversation? It's been a long time. Pretty much everybody. All right, this com- you know what? This conversation is getting really long now. Who, who does this? All right. I thought you were going to tell me something quick, but all right, now I'm going to find a seat. You ever see me do that? Don't get offended. I'm just tired. You don't have to stop talking. I'm just going to find a seat. <laughs> but he said... When you've done all to stand, then stand firm. Stand your ground. It's time to stand our ground, church. And the Lord's victory is there. And his blessing is just a byproduct. Don't go seeking the blessing because now you're already off. The Christians who went seeking for the blessing, it was a rabbit trail. But those that stood their ground, right, who has seen God just start doing things for you, you didn't even ask. He just does it. You've been seeking him and he gives you protection and he gives you provision and he gives you favor and he gives you blessing. Do you know that it was not a lack of faith? It was real faith. I started seeking the Lord. He started showing me that that's real faith. You know why? Because you put faith in God and not in what he can do. That's real faith. Faith is not what God, what God can do. It's faith in him. And when you put faith in him, then everything else just comes. Amen. That's the word. And there's many verses that back that up. We must resolve. In fact, Jesus told us, and I'll just close with this verse. I have many verses that tell us to be strong and and, uh, immovable and uh, many verses that tell us to stand fast and to watch and to be on guard and so on. Right, believers? We know these verses. There are many, many verses that tell us to keep standing, to watch, be diligent, be steadfast. These are words we don't use very often, <laughs> especially in this, in this day and age, words like steadfast. And we must do it, though. It is so important that we don't forget these principles of his word. And when we do, everything Uh, that God has for you is on the other side. The enemy, he just falls. You don't do any fighting. You just stand. Your fight, as I said last week, and this needs to be said again, is in prayer and in fasting. It's in you being righteous. Now, that's not you trying to be right. That is, as God deals with you, you say, yes, Lord, enemy comes and he has nothing on you. He can, it's like the Lord just put soap all over you and sent you down the slip and slide. He can't touch you. He can't get you because you have resolved, I want what God wants. And when we do that, he has nothing in you, right? Because the Bible says that all evil they even, even says this about the cross of Christ, that he was crucified because of envy and jealousy. Isn't that incredible? Out of envy and jealousy. They miss Jesus out of envy and jealousy. And where, does that, where did that come from? The devil got his foothold in there, right? He got his foot in there. But if you just are standing and saying, I don't need anything, I don't want anything, I don't, you know what we should say really all the time to the Lord? Right, TJ and I have been talking about this a lot this season, and I'm telling you, it's been a breakthrough in my own life, is just be honest with yourself and with God, and let the devil hear you. I don't deserve anything. As soon as you think you deserve 
the Lord's going to have to take you through some more trials and show you that you don't. You just say, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. And I certainly don't deserve the blessing that follows that. And Jesus tells us here in Luke, I'll close with this. Luke chapter 6, verse 47, he says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built but verse 49 says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who built a house right on the ground, or you may know it as shifting sand. It's without a foundation, and when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. We, and even in this church, in this season, have been, it's been slow going daily, Right? As a church, just day after day, many trials and many things. I said to Dawn, it could be a lot, lot worse. Other parts of the world, what Christians are going through, but there's been many things that have come and gone in, in each person's life. And I've just seen so many miracles, though, of you conquering. I've seen it as pastor here of conquering issues around your life and issues even in your, even just miracles in your body. And so the Lord's been doing it. But it's been slow because that's a real foundation, a well-built house who has seen quick-built houses, <laughs> right? <laughs> I work with it, and they're not well-built. It doesn't mean they can't be quick and be well-built, but they are not. But it takes time, and that's okay. That's our faith. It's just standing our ground with the Lord, and he's been digging down deeper, 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 deeper. And I just believe that as we come into 2019, the Lord's going to start to lay, and even Jeannie started to say some things based on the seed in the ground, right? The root goes down first, and then it starts to sprout, and as it starts to sprout, the root also still continues to grow. But the Lord's been building down deep, 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 and that's been just getting our foundation on Him. I believe the Lord's going to really start expanding this church this year and start really expanding our faith, more miracles, uh, more salvations, but the Lord had to first get our feet grounded and we and we couldn't get into all we had to just not get into other areas and get off would we'll ground us in Jesus Jesus alone it's only him that's what Paul says the only foundation that you should lay on is on Jesus Christ and then build with the gold silver and precious stones and that's what the Lord's been doing so amen I'm I was happy to bring that word today amen